This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger sales podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today, this is part one of a series I'll be doing over the next few months on selling in tough and turbulent economic times. And I think it's really key here is that, in my opinion, it's not the events in our life that really define us, but how we respond to those events. Our reaction to an event truly is what does define it and creates the meaning around it. So as we look at this, there's not a part of the world that hasn't been negatively impacted by the recent collapse of major parts of our banking sector around the world. But also there's many other things going on as well in the marketplace. And so although this is overall a negative or gloomy mood, as per the news on every channel and every major website that you look at, the reality is, is that there is also a lot of opportunity out in the marketplace. As sales professionals, tomorrow morning, regardless of where the Dow is at, regardless of how the market is doing, we need to get out of bed, get up, charged up, and move out in the marketplace and really build our future. Sitting at home and sort of navel-gazing, or deciding not to head into the office, or really just not picking up the phone anymore is not going to make the particular challenge easier. In fact, we can almost count on the fact that many of our competitors are doing that just now. In a depressed marketplace, what we see is that when our competitors were excited at the top of the economy to come into the office, hit early to get organized, hit the phone right away, connect with clients, and just be enthusiastic, in a lot of cases what they're doing now is they're arriving late or barely arriving at all. They make two or three calls, they get some negative feedback, and they go for a coffee. And so what occurs is not only do we have fewer competitors at the bottom of the economy because of turns in the economy and companies going out of business, the competitors that are left over are also tend to be down. So they're not making as many calls. So you as a sales professional, if you really, really saddle up and get out there and hit the market hard, what you're going to find out is that although the market is a bit depressed, people are a little bit less willing to make major expenditures, there's also an opportunity because our competitors are not as aggressive. They've probably even pulled back their advertising and branding to some degree in preparation for a bigger downturn. So if you look at all these things, what you have is a marketplace really ripe for the picking. Looking at talking to several of my clients who are in the brokerage industry, stockbrokers, one of the things they relate to is that although for somebody with a big book right now, uh, you know, talking to clients about the fact that they've had you know, half of their net worth dissolved from a financial perspective in the last few weeks, there is truly also another opportunity to pick up the phone and talk to other brokers' clients and convert them. At the top of the economy, for instance, it's extremely difficult to convert a client. Most people were happy with the positions they had. Yet, in a down economy, many high net worth individuals are willing to listen to other options and it's easier to convert them from our competitors. So even in that industry, which has been really hit hard, there are opportunities, especially if you're new in that business or you're aggressively growing your book. This kind of makes me think of a, a quote that came from John Maxwell. John Maxwell is author of the book, Developing the Leader Within You, as well as the other book, Developing the Leaders Around You. And one of the things that John said, and I quote, is, a leader is defined by the size of the crisis. In fair weather, so to speak, we never know if someone is a good captain of a ship. Anybody can look like a good captain in fair weather. When there is turbulence, 
that separates the sage expert captains from truly those who aren't credible as far as being able to captain a ship. I believe this is part of what's going on in the marketplace with major corporations, banks, and then drilled right down to individual salespeople, is when the market is turbulent and tough, that's when good selling skills are needed. This crisis will define you as a salesperson. How you respond to it is really going to define you. Here's a quote, and I like this quote. It's about personal responsibility. Many of us have followed Oprah Winfrey as a success story, being one of the wealthiest women in North America. I think at one time she was the wealthiest woman in North America. And as we look at Oprah, what was interesting is that she didn't come from a perfect background. She was, really came from a background that was rife with abuse, rife with psychological abuse, physical abuse, and poverty. Coming from that background, when I really read her, her life story, one of the things I thought of is that there is someone who none of us would blame for quitting before she even started. Yet instead, here's what she had to say, and I quote, I always knew I was destined for greatness. I don't think of myself as a poor, deprived ghetto girl who made good. I think of myself as somebody who from an early age knew I was responsible for myself and I had to make good. I was responsible for myself. From an early age, she determined that. And us as sales professionals, although we may be in this turbulent economic time right now, I truly believe that we are still captains of our own ship. We're masters of our own destiny as salespeople, and it's the decisions we make now that will define who we are. It's not the event again, but our response to the event that defines us. Peter Legg. Dave McDonald, who I'm connected to in Twitter, sent this great message to me the other day. Here's what he said, quote, Peter Legg, by the way, who's owner of one of the largest independent publishing companies in Canada, stated, and this is what he said once, how did I grow a magazine business in a recession? He said, I simply chose not to participate and rolled with the punches. So let's define turbulence here. This is from dictionary.com. Here's the three major definitions they give for turbulence. Number one, the state or quality of being turbulent times of turbulence and confusion. I think that word confusion is really interesting because there is a lack of clarity in the marketplace for people on where things are at. But also what I believe is that the playing field has changed. Due to globalization, we've seen a rapid impact of major world events from around the world on our businesses almost by the second. It no longer takes weeks or years, but seconds for things to impact us. So there's a new playing field out there and a new set of tools. There's disruptive technologies. There's a downturn in the marketplace. And so this is really what's creating this turbulence. Here's what they all say about turbulence. Turbulent is just a turbulent flow or, and I like this one, an eddying motion of the atmosphere that interrupts the flow of wind. And I think what we have is a true interruption in the flow of the way things used to happen and they will never happen again in the same way. Here's some interesting quotes. I went online on October 6th and pulled out some quotes and what people are saying about the marketplace. And what's interesting is there's a lot of negative news, but there's also positive news out there. Even with everything going on, great things are happening. Here's some maybe not so great things. Here's a quote. I got this from the Canadian Press's website. The word recession wouldn't describe the deep structural problems affecting everything from the U.S. housing sector to the Canadian oil industry, said Bank of Nova Scotia chief economist Warren Weston. So there's a negative statement. How about this one? 
The Canadian market is being hit harder than most today because the S&P and TSX Composite Index is heavily influenced by resource stocks, which are being hammered on fears that demand for oil, metals, and fertilizers will fall as global economic growth slows. Now, those are a couple of Canadian quotes. I realize that many of my listeners are from everywhere from the Ukraine to the United States to South America. But as we look on our own news, we've seen many of the same statements, right? We've heard major people, uh, as far as U.S. economists, talk about the fact that this recession possibly uh, could be just as devastating as the Great Depression. I don't believe that myself. Uh, but as we look at it, there is a lot of negative news out there. That's what I'm saying. Now let's look at this quote. This is an interesting one. What Buffett, we're referring to Warren Buffett, has been waiting for for years is finally happening a period of sufficient market distress where he can negotiate terrific financial terms for Berkshire, says James Armstrong, president and portfolio manager at Henry H. Armstrong Associates in Pittsburgh, which holds a stake in Berkshire Hathaway. The reason he's buying so much right now is he's getting extremely attractive prices. He's been waiting for this for 10 years, end quote. So here's something interesting. One of the world's, or arguably the world's most savvy investor, in tough economic times, well, everybody else is saying, watch out, we're, we're going to hell <laughs> in a handbasket, took $3 billion and invested in General Electric last week. In two hours, he made himself $800 million. So as we look at this, although things are turbulent, the smart money and the smart business people are still investing. They're not investing blindly or over-optimistically, but they're looking for the bargains and the right place to put their time, energy, and money. Here's something else. Canadian real estate. Most real, realtors today talk, I talk to are crying. Basically, they're saying, you know, the market's going you know, down. They're afraid it's going to go down more. It hasn't been impacted as negatively as the U.S. economy, but still, most housing starts are down. Yet still, there are people in the real estate market who, again, not unlike Buffett, aren't investing in everything but investing in the right places, and they're still gaining. Look at these stats. This is uh, right from the Ottawa Business Journal. What they talked about, it was an article by Crystal Chow, and she shared an interesting fact, and that is that total housing sales jumped, this is in Ottawa, jumped 9.3% to 1,208 units, with both the single-family and multiple-unit categories posting gains of more than 9%. It's amazing. So in a down economy, even though people were depressed from the, from the perspective in the marketplace about investing or where things were heading, we still see gains in certain sectors. Here's another one. Overall sales in Victoria, British Columbia, which is the capital city for British Columbia, Canada, uh, have decreased, yet there's still a niche which has increased. Quote, this is from the Vancouver Sun, Victoria also saw sales of high-end homes valued at a million dollars or more in that market rise 4% compared to a drop of 18% in home sales generally. So again, another opportunity, another niche. My question is, in the market you sell in, where are those niches and opportunities? What I think is great about it is in the past, there were a lot more realtors to compete with. There were a lot more homes to compete with from a sales perspective. And yet now, there's truly a greater opportunity on both sides of the fence. So as we look at this, in my opinion, what we're experiencing is really a significant shift in the marketplace, even from a technological perspective and a globalization perspective. But Change happens in an instant, and sometimes it just takes us a while to adjust. And I think a lot of the things that are occurring now in the marketplace 
are really occurring as a result of things that happened quite a while ago, but people really just didn't adjust their game plan. So what I'm going to talk about now is I'm going to talk about economic cycles at a very 20,000 foot level view. Okay, this is not right down in the weeds, but I'm going to talk generally as to why things boom and bust and what occurs. So what we start off with at the top of an economy in most cases is what we call excessive optimism. At the end of the day, economics, although it's a lot of people, very logical people evaluate it, it's driven by very emotional things. They're called humans. And we tend to be emotional in our approach to most things. We'll justify them with logic. We understand this when we deal with buyers. A buyer will justify with logic why they're doing something, but truly, to a large degree, their purchase is on an emotional level. So economic cycles. We start off with excessive optimism. And this is in the marketplace where we're overbought. At this time, in most cases, people tend to not just spend the money they're making, but spend the money they're going to make. In a lot of cases, you hear people say things like, you can't lose in real estate. You know, I've got one home I own outright, I've leveraged that on the second home, and I'm using the new equity in the second home to buy a third because you just can't lose. When we hear people say things like this, we've got to realize that there's excessive optimism in the marketplace. When people say things like, you can't lose uh, on stocks from research in motion, or you can't lose by investing in blue chip. When we look at these things, what we're talking about is excessively optimistic statements. Now from the next perspective, what occurs at this point is eventually us as emotional human beings, we don't tend to put a stop in place. We'll tend to move forward and continue to extend ourselves to credit and get overbought and overbought and more overbought. But what occurs is this person, they're called the banker. They sit down with us and they say, you know what? I can appreciate that you want that second car or that third car or that third house, but based upon your earnings and your debt level at this point, you no longer qualify. So what happens in the marketplace across the board is en masse we've been excessively optimistic and often en masse we'll find that banks and lending institutions begin to pull back. Of course, this has been exacerbated now uh, with the subprime crisis in the United States. So what occurs now is then credit and cash dry up. Then people have bulging inventories. If you're in the service business, bulging inventories could be people. This is where layoffs begin. Production slows. Prices slip. There's a little worry. There's a lot of negative news in the marketplace. Buying dries up more. More negative news. People lose confidence. Even further negative news, which again fuels the downturn. Layoffs continue. More worry. Then savings build, then people put off buying and making major purchases and investments. Then there's excessive peer, fear, there's panic, and really we're at the bottom of the economy. Now eventually it levels off, but we're down here at an excessively pessimistic level where people say, you know what, the, economy, the world economy is going to collapse, we'll never recover, things are horrible, you should just stay home. You know, we hear these things. And so as we look at them, we've know, we typically know that we're at the bottom when all we read in the newspaper is purely negative news. Now along the bottom though, the reason why it doesn't keep going down in a lot of cases is that smart money. People move in who are cash rich and start buying up this bargain basement opportunities, not unlike our good friend Warren Buffett. Great salespeople pick up the phone and start targeting clients and creating commerce because they realize their competitors are suppressed and it's easier to gain market share at the bottom. There are less competitors, they're depressed, and they're not proactive. If you want to win now and really build a good base in 36 months from now, you have a massive client list, my suggestion is start prospecting and connecting with people now. Instead of 
slowing down, speed up, and increase your capacity to get out there in the marketplace. And watch how easy it is to convert clients. You might not get the major purchases, but think like Buffett. Invest now, and you're going to win later. So what occurs is that smart money and that smart business activity begins to level off. Then eventually what occurs is there's a little bit more buying in the marketplace. Then there's some hiring because there's some real demand. Then there's more buying. Then there's more confidence. Then we'll actually start to see CNN and the Globe and Mail and the New York Times starting to print the odd success story about people succeeding and doing well and recovering. Then there's more confidence. Then there's more hiring. Then there's more buying. Then there's a fear of higher prices. Then there's more higher prices. Then there's real demand. Then there's really positive news. Then people scramble to produce. Organizations rush in to loan money to these growing economic engines. Then there's a scramble to buy. And next thing you know it, we're overbought again and we're at the top of the economy and excessively optimistic. This, if you look at it, happens approximately every seven years and has done so since the turn of the century in the 1900s. So what we're going through is not unique. It might be exacerbated a little bit with some of the major things that have occurred in the marketplace, but this decade is not any more challenging or less challenging than any previous decade. During the Great Depression, there was more millionaires created in the United States of America than any other time in history. One of the reasons why is there was some smart money and insightful people who really invested in the future and mopped up opportunities where other people really didn't even bother to get in the game. I'm going to go specifically through in the next few podcasts on some core tools that you can utilize to succeed in tough economic times. Because there is a toolkit that we can put together that really helps us go out there and systematically take advantage of this opportunity and overcome some of the hurdles we've faced. This is Shane Gibson's sales podcast for ClosingBigger.net.